0: So good. Well, we are starting a new series this morning, um, and it is a Christmas series. Surprise! Uh, We're starting a series called The Gifts of Christmas. The Gifts of Christmas. And we're going to take a look at, uh, the the closer look at the gifts that the wise men presented uh, to Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is give you a little bit of the backstory. I believe this is a a part of the, the Christmas story that Sometimes just gets lumped into the nativity. It gets lumped into the the manger, and the stable, and the shepherds, and right, and we, we have these nativity scenes that include the wise men, and, and the reality is, is that the wise men, the magi, didn't show up at the same time as when the shepherds were there, and we'll read about that in just a second, and so it's worth taking the time to examine this story and some of the details around this story, because there's some really significant things that take place, uh, and then we're going to look at specifically the gifts that were presented to Jesus, and why they were important. Did you realize this, that that the things we read in the Bible are not random? All right, it's not happenstance. The things that are written on the pages of Scripture are not there because, you know, well, we just needed a filler word or that sounded cute. Everything is inspired in in the Word of God, is inspired by God. And it's there for a reason, and it's worth us taking the time to take a look. So we're going to dive right into Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to start out. Uh, and I want to read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to kind of work our way back through it piece by piece. It says this, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come by another route. So we have Jesus and the three wise men. Now, you've probably heard this. The reason we, we say three wise men is because there were three gifts. We actually have no idea how many magi they were. We do sing, sing songs like uh, We Three Kings, they weren't kings. Uh, they were wise men, they were, they were scholars, they were, they were p- these men who studied the stars and they studied nature, they probably early forms of scientists, um, and, and they were just learned men, they were p- men who engaged in, in the study of, of whatever was, was around to be studied. And so these, these men, these magi, come from the east doesn't say exactly where they came from. It's a little bit vague, right? They came from the east. That's a, that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, if you look at a map of Israel, what's east of Israel? You've got what is now modern-day modern Jordan, Syria. You've got Saudi Arabia. You've got Iraq. You've got Iran. Uh, in those days, what would have been east of Israel would have been Babylon, and it would have been the, the nation that had conquered Israel a few hundred years prior to this time. It says that they traveled a long distance to get to where they were in Jerusalem and then later on in Bethlehem. We don't know how they heard about the news of Jesus. We don't know if it was, you know, they were studying maybe some of the the. the the scrolls that had been left by the Jewish people when they had been in captivity and had brought their religion with them. We don't know if it was through that, that they became aware of the prophecies about the Messiah, even the prophecies that are mentioned by uh, the, the 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 chief priests and the scholars that would come and the teachers of the law who would reference Isaiah and the prophecies. We don't know if there was a, if they, there was an angel that showed up and just told them maybe in a dream because it kind of happened a lot in this story, right? Uh, We don't don't know exactly what the circumstances were around them discovering or finding out that, that Jesus was born, that the Messiah was born. All we know is that somehow they found out the news and they did something about it. They responded to the news of Jesus's arrival, of the Messiah's arrival, and they said, we have to go and we have to see this child and we have to Go and worship him. Uh, They call him the king of the Jews. That's quite a statement, by the way. You come to the king of a region and you tell them, hey, do you know where the king is gonna be born? That's a little offensive, isn't it? Uh, We know that you're the king, but where's the king of the Jews? Where's the real king? Because we heard that he has been born. These wise men, these magi knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was the Messiah, and, and their goal was not curiosity. Listen to this. Their goal was not curiosity. Their whole lives were about study, and you've got to be curious to study things. But their goal was not just simply curiosity. They had come to worship Jesus. These wise men, these people of, these, these people of high reputation had come to find this baby so that they could worship him. Let me ask you this, have you ever received a gift that at first glance you thought was a dud? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe when you're a kid or maybe when you're an adult. You get a gift and, and you, you're given the package and immediately you go, it's the wrong size. When you get a blender size box and you're expecting a jewelry size box, you know what I'm talking about? When, when it's, the box is not wrapped well or it doesn't look like, uh, my, my, I have two sisters who they consider gift wrapping an art form. It's a little ridiculous because you, you don't actually want to open these presents because like there's gifts on the gifts. They, they tape presents to the presents and it's like this, it's this, you ever like a choose your own adventure book? It's like that just with presents. I'm like, let's can just, you know, As long as the paper's sticking and it's not like flying open, we're good to go. Maybe you get a gift and it's not wrapped well and from the outside you go, oh, this is not going to be a good gift. Uh, maybe it's not heavy enough, right? Or you shake it and it doesn't make the right noise. And, and you start, isn't it amazing how in your, okay, maybe I'm the only one, um, I, I deal with this, where you start being disappointed before you're ev- you've even opened the gift. Because your expectations and you're like, I'm not going to, I'm just, okay, just take it easy. And then you open the gift only to find out that it was way better than you ever expected. I, I, we, anyone ever done the, like, you get the gift card, like the really good gift card, but you put it in a really big box and you put bricks and stuff in it? Anyone else ever done that? <laughs> okay, I just gave you a great idea for this Christmas. Um, and you open it up and you go, Oh my goodness, this is not what I was expecting. Can I tell you, this was the birth of Jesus. This was the birth of Jesus. The way he arrived is not what people were expecting. They were expecting something different. The wrong shape, the wrong size, the wrong place, the wrong packaging, And there was this hope and this expectation of who Jesus would be and how he would come, especially for the Jewish people. Yet we have these magi who know that he's a baby. They've read the prophecies. They are going to the place where he's going to be born. And they're excited. They can't wait to find him. There's something really key about this, by the way, that we need to catch is this. Jesus was born a king. He was born a king. He, he wasn't born and then ascended to the throne. That Jesus was born a king. And even in his humble state as a baby, helpless, that he was fully God and fully man. Even As a baby. And there's something about that that communicates to us the love of God. Even as we were talking about communion, and and as Paul writes and quotes Jesus as saying, This is for you. This is for you. This is done for you. That Jesus came in in this manner, in this humble way, that he emptied himself, yet he is born a king, that his humble form did not limit or diminish his deity. He just wasn't what people were expecting. But thankfully, we have these magi, these wise men who had their eyes open and they were paying attention. Let's talk about Herod for a minute. So Herod is is Herod the Great. So there there was a number of Herods that ruled in that part of the world, mostly uh, related to this Herod, but he was the first. And they called him Herod The great, but let me tell you, he wasn't so great. When we were in Israel recently, our tour guide kept saying, he goes, you know, Herod the Great, we we love him, but we don't like him a lot. He did some incredible things, but he was really brutal. And uh, and, and even today, you go to Jerusalem, and a lot of the things that are standing today from ancient times were built by Herod. The guy was like a, a mad crazy genius. Uh, he, his engineering mind was phenomenal in the way that he led, but he was brutal. He, he killed family members and wives. And later on, we know that he, he, it, because he's threatened by this baby, he ends up killing the, every child, every male child under two years old. Um, th- the guy was something else. So when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. I, I read that and I thought, you know, when when the king is disturbed, everybody is disturbed, right? Or you, you heard the phrase, like, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? This is, this is this on a national scale. King Herod's not happy. Nobody's happy because they're all fearing for their lives. Because when, when King Herod has a good day, everyone is prospering. There's water flowing into the city. Things are being built. The temple's being restored. But when King Herod the great is not having a good day, you run and hide run and hide. And if King Herod is disturbed by what he's hearing, people are taking shelter. They're going to not be hanging out where the people are. And so uh, it says that all of Israel knows that the king is having a moment. And so he's heard about these magi, and so he calls together the wise men and, 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 and the priests uh, he, rather the priests and, and the teachers of the law. And he goes, okay, help me out. What's going on? Now, you have to understand there's this love-hate relationship between the Jews and Herod. See, Herod had been established as the king over that region by Rome. And he, he was king over the four regions of Israel. And later on, that would be divided between his sons. Um, and, and, and so he's ruling over the, the nation. I lost my train of thought. Did you see that? Just totally derailed. Um, there's this love-hate relationship. So he's rebuilding the temple for the Jews. He, he was smart. The guy was really smart. And he goes, if I want to keep these Jews under my thumb, I've got to do a lot of good things for them. They've got to love me. And so he rebuilds the temple. And, and one of the things that's interesting is that Herod's temple was, was super tall. You know, we, we can read in scripture the dimensions of the temple. They're given in great detail. Um, well, when he rebuilds the temple, he realizes the only dimension that isn't dictated is the height. Everything else is spelled out. And so Herod decides we're going to build it bigger. We're going to make it really tall. And so Herod's temple was really tall. And the the Jewish leaders loved him because he built this beautiful, beautiful temple right there on Mount Moriah. And so he calls them into the room and says, okay, tell me what's up. Where is this Messiah supposed to be born? And notice this. They immediately know the answer to the question. Oh, yeah, we know that. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what was written. And he gives them the prophecy, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Okay, so Herod's already disturbed. And I imagine that they're giving him this news like, okay, we're going to say it and then maybe hit the door, we're going to get out of here. Because he's not going to be happy. But they knew the answer. And there's something about this that, that's pretty amazing. Is and it's in fact it's kind of ironic, it's this that the teachers and the priests and the people who knew the scripture, the people who should have seen Jesus, the people who should have been the first to recognize his arrival, miss him. And a group of foreigners who are not of the same faith, who are not a part of the chosen people, see him, are aware. Isn't it amazing? And I think it's one of the the challenges with religion is that we can get so focused on the religion that we miss the God that we're trying to connect with. It'd be easy to look at this and go, oh yeah, well, they, they they were messed up. But I know this. In my life, it gets really easy to be focused on the motions, going through the motions of my faith. But I wonder, could it be that I miss Jesus sometimes? I miss what he's saying. Even as Lori was saying today, he started speaking to her and pointing out things in her heart That she needed to see. Can I tell you, we all have those places in our heart. And if we're not paying attention, if we're not listening and looking for Jesus, we're going to miss those moments where he shows up in our lives. They knew the prophecy, yet they missed him. They knew the word, but they didn't see him. And so Herod is threatened. He's threatened and, and he, he knows, listen, if, if there's going to be another king born, I, I want to know where he is. And so he starts scheming a plan and so he calls the magi back secretly to find out from them the exact time. He's trying to gather data. When exactly did the star appear and where did it appear and how did it move? Um, the star, by the way, we have no idea. Uh, there's some conjecture as to there were certain planets that might have aligned at that time that, that would have made a really bright star, made it look like a really bl- bright star in the sky. The problem with that is this. Planets don't move. The star moved, right? And, and this is just a great reminder that God is God. That's right. And he, he can do whatever he wants. I love this. He will move heaven and earth. connect with us. And he did. He moved heaven. He placed a star in the sky and then he moved it to the place. How did God move a star? I don't know. He just did. He just did. And it wasn't just random. Again, it wasn't just happenstance. It It was absolutely intentional. Herod's going, tell me more. I want to know more because he's a smart guy. And if I can gather as many facts as possible, I can come against this threat that's come into my nation. And then he says, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Real quick, a little parenthetical thought here. See the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is this. To see as a threat the thing that brings the greatest freedom. That Herod sees Jesus as a threat and doesn't realize that Jesus is the the thing, the person that will bring the greatest freedom. And can I tell you, the enemy brings that lie into our lives, especially in our relationship with God. Goes back to the Garden of Eden when he whispers in Eve's ear, Listen, God doesn't want you to eat the fruit because he doesn't want your eyes to be open and for you to be like him. And so now instead of God being the creator and the loving father, he's a threat. He's the one that is holding back. The lie of the enemy in our lives will show up in that way, that he will try and make a threat out of the thing that will be the greatest blessing and bring the greatest freedom in our lives. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, uh, w- when it rose, went ahead of them. I, I don't know, the, it seems like the star took a break. Like it was moving, and then it, was, it stopped moving, or it didn't, they didn't see it anymore, but after their time with Herod, the star reappears, and they followed it, and it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed overjoyed that they had found something amazing, something that their hearts had been longing for. I don't know if you've ever lost something or been looking for something and then found it and, and just felt overjoyed. Years ago, um, Megan and I, uh, we were just married a few years. We had multiple little kids running around the house and uh, life was full and active and busy and uh, I remember coming home from work one day, and Megan said, hey, "Honey, I, I took my wedding ring off, and I don't know where I put it. I can't find it and we turned the house upside down, we looked everywhere, could not find it, and it was gone for a year. I get a phone call at work one day, and and Megan's just screaming, she's like, Oh my gosh she 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 was uh when she would wear in the summer. She had like these coveralls, like these short coveralls that had a little pocket right here. You know what I'm talking about? And and she had taken her ring off and tucked it in there because she was doing something with the kids and then taken that off and packed it away and put it in storage because we were going into winter. And so that ring sat in that little pocket for months until by the grace of God, because it could have just gone to the thrift store, Right. That's one of those like awesome thrift thrift store finds. (laughs) Right. Better than five bucks in the pocket. And she'd taken that out and the ring fell out and we were, oh my gosh, we were ecstatic because, because the ring was precious to us. It wasn't just the value, the monetary value. It had significance and meaning to us that the wise men were overjoyed. It was that kind of exuberance. They weren't just like satisfied. They weren't just happy. There was this overflowing joy at what they had found. And it says in verse 11, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route, They come to the house. Now, again, the star is extremely specific. It stops over the house where the child was. We know that Jesus isn't a baby because the word that is translated from the Greek here is not the same word that is used when it talks about him in the manger. There talks about him being a baby, but here is his child. So scholars believe that he was probably about two years old. Uh, Joseph and Mary had decided to stay in Bethlehem, Um, discovered that Joseph's trade, we all know him to be a carpenter, but the the Greek word that's actually translated uh, for his trade that we translate carpenter was actually more like construction worker. That that he worked with wood, he worked with stone. Jesus, in fact, was more than likely not just a carpenter. He was probably a stonemason. And if you understand the way that they build in Israel, and they built in those days, uh, if you were a construction worker, you would have been skilled in all of those trades. And so, uh, and it was the kind of trade like even today, if you're a construction worker, you go where the work is. If there's a boom somewhere, if the, a community is growing, you're going to go there. Well, they, they had come from Nazareth in the north of the country, was quite a, a distance away from Jerusalem. And now remember, Herod is is an incredible king. He's doing a lot of construction, a lot of building. He's doing a lot of, there's a lot of revitaliz- revitalization in the economy. And things are actually doing pretty well financially, which means that they're, they're now close to Jerusalem. Bethlehem is about five miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem, which means there was probably a lot of work to be done. We don't think about those little practical things, right? It was like, oh, it was ancient times and everyone was a farmer and or, or, you know, carving things out of wood. No, there was a bustling economy. And so they stayed in Bethlehem because there was work to be done and work to be had. And so it's this place where the wise men find this child with his mother and they come to him and they bow down and they worshiped him. That must have been an amazing sight. I mean, all of this for Mary must have been phenomenal. The angel riding to Bethlehem from Nazareth, giving birth in a stable, right? The angels, the shepherds, and all of this. And now she's standing in the doorway of whatever home they're in. And here is this entourage of people that show up and camels and whatever animals they had, and however many people were part of their party. And these wise men, these magi, come and bow down in the dirt in front of this child. What a spectacle. What an amazing thing to see. But here's the thing. They knew who Jesus was was, and they knew that he was born a king, and they knew that he was worthy of praise. And so, in this moment of worship, in their response, in this worshipful response, they bring him these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the few minutes we have left this morning, I want to talk about gold i don 't know how many of you noticed that, but there 's actually a present under this tree. We know what gold is. You might not be as aware of what frankincense and myrrh is, but we know what gold is, and so they bring the present Now, it wouldn't have been wrapped in brown paper this is, This is how we wrap presents in our house. We have a, a roll of like twelve hundred feet of brown paper, and then we Decorate it from there. And I kind of like it. Um, maybe you in your house, you have all the different colors or the silvery, glittery stuff. I imagine for the Magi, they would have come with some kind of treasure chests and opened them up and, and presented their gifts. So, so Mary and Joseph are, uh, and, and Mary and Jesus, rather, at the door, and, and they're presenting these gifts. We don't know if they went inside, if they, they sat down. But they're presented with these gifts, and so they open them up, and and inside, what do they find? Gold. Now, if you're a carpenter or a construction worker, um, gold's probably not something you have a lot of, right? It's not something you have a lot of. Are you you excited about what's in here? It wasn't in the budget to get gold. (laughs) Um, But they start opening it up. And, and can you imagine their surprise? Yes. How many of you open your gifts nice and carefully? No ripping, no tearing. How many weirdos? In the, no, I'm just kidding. So we couldn't get gold, but we got, we got gold. And they start pulling out gold coins, gold pieces, whatever they were, counting them and start realizing this, this is Epic. This is amazing. Why would these men come and bring these gifts? Why would they present these things to my child? He's he's just a kid. Why are they bowing down? Why are they worshiping him? Now, Jesus knows, I mean, Mary knows what the angel has told her. She has an awareness of who Jesus is, but this was just another point, another exclamation mark in the journey, right? Because you ever know something, but then you kind of start doubting it. Anyone? You know something, you learn something, but maybe some time passes and you start going, okay, maybe that was pretty amazing, but maybe I missed it. Imagine it's been a couple of years now, and the shepherds have gone back to their sheep and the angels have gone back to heaven. And now you're just working and you're raising a child. And Mary and Joseph are now married and probably have another child or another one on the way. And now they're just doing life. And, and maybe these things that treasure, Mary had treasured in her heart, she starts going, okay, I wonder, I wonder, was, was that all for real? And then there's a knock at the door. And there's this entourage. And they come presenting gifts. And in the, one of the boxes is gold. By the way, um, anyone want some chocolate? <laughs> yeah, there's like hands, all, all of the young people. Here you go. There you go. <laughs> there's chocolate. If you want some chocolate after, grab some, some chocolate. And there's this reminder that, yes, this is very much real. This is happening. This is going on. And this is the child. So why gold? A couple of things we know about gold. We know this, that gold is pure. It's pure. That even back then, gold was recognized for for its special qualities, that it was precious and it was pure, and and that it it could be used for trade. Uh, But it wasn't just like the other coins, that gold had a special value to it. It wasn't easy to come by. You know that Jesus is pure. That he was born without sin. He lived without sin. And this gold reminds us that there's this purity about this God child. That he's rare. That he's not like anyone else that had ever been born. That he's precious. That he is of immense value. Not only that, that gold is something that kings had. Common people didn't have gold. Kings had gold. Maybe if you were a commoner, if you could come by just a little nugget of gold, it would be a big deal. Maybe that would be your life savings. But to pre- be presented with, with a chest of gold, with, with more gold than you've ever seen in your life, it made a statement about the kingship of who Jesus is. See, it's not the kind of gift you give a baby unless that baby is a king. And they recognize this child is not like any other child. He was born a king. And we recognize that gold has value. Gold has incredible value. In fact, out of all of the metals and all of the precious things that we read about throughout history, gold has been the standard. It's the thing that has just consistently, from ancient times to today, that people still, that gold has held its value. It's extremely valuable and you can sell that gold and you can finance things through gold. There's whole nations whose economy is built on the trade of gold, It's incredibly valuable. And all of these things are presented to Jesus. What the Magi didn't know was that Herod was so threatened that he was going to take action, drastic action. And so the the Magi are told in a dream, don't go back the way, don't go back to Herod, don't go and report to him. And so they went back another way. And so, of course, when they don't come back to Herod, he's upset. He's in a bad mood, and like I said, when Herod's in a bad mood, the nation suffers. And so he makes this decision based on the conversation he had with the wise men, and he says, I want every child, male child under the age of two, to be killed. I want to eliminate the competition. And imagine that, the king of a nation so threatened by a baby, by a child, Well, Joseph and Mary are warned once again about what is coming, and they're told to leave where they are and go to Egypt. I don't know if you've ever moved to another state or to another country, but it's not cheap, right? And we see here the provision of God, the timely provision of God. They didn't get the gold. They didn't get the frankincense. They didn't get the myrrh in the manger, in the stable. They got it later on when they were going to need it the most. And Joseph and Mary were able to take that resource and it literally saved their lives. They now had the funding they needed to respond to what God was telling them to do and they go to Egypt for a period of time until Herod the Great is removed from the picture. All of these things just through a simple gift That God knows. Can I tell you, the same God who orchestrated all of this is moving in your life, is moving on your behalf. Maybe you don't feel precious. Maybe you don't feel valuable. But remember, we just talked about during communion that because of the work of Jesus, that you are declared as righteous, that you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Deb reminded us about the prodigal son. That God's love for us doesn't change because of our behavior. That he cares about us. That God's call on our lives doesn't change. And in fact, he will resource the call and he will provide everything we need in the same way. Out of just this one story, we see the faithfulness of God for you. And so Joseph and Mary and Jesus, Jesus go to Israel, I mean, go to Egypt, and they stay there until the danger is passed, and they come back to Israel later on, and Jesus grows in wisdom and in stature, in favor with men and God, and we can read about the rest of that story. We'll talk more about the frankincense and myrrh, spent a lot more time this morning on the backstory, story, but it's there for a reason. My question for you this morning is, are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for the signs that point to him? I'm not talking about stars. See, we don't need stars anymore. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God that will direct us. But in the same way that the the chief priests and the teachers of the law miss Jesus, don't assume that you because you've memorized some verses and you go to church regularly, that you're connecting with him in the way that he intends to connect with you this Christmas, would you look for him? Would you come and bow down and worship him? Would you give the very best of your life to him, whatever that looks like? And would you receive from him everything he has for you? Amen. Let's stand together as we close. Good. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, it's, we, we can't wrap our minds around the fact that you chose to be born. That you chose, that you willingly came into this, into this earth, that you took on flesh, that you became like the creation that you had created so that you could reach us. God, I thank you that even as a man, even as a baby, that you were still God, that you were still a king, And God, I thank you that your rule and your reign has not ended, that it continues to this day and will continue for eternity. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts and our posture would be like that of the Magi. That we wouldn't just know about you, but that we would seek you out, that we would worship you, that we would humble ourselves and lay ourselves at your feet and adore you. For the king that you are. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray you have a wonderful day. Uh, Just again, we're not going to the park, but would you invite someone to go to lunch with you today? Uh, Go and enjoy enjoy some time together. If you'd like some prayer, uh, if you'd like someone to pray with you this morning, our prayer team is available. They'd love to pray with you at the back. Otherwise, have an amazing day. Uh, And come grab some chocolate.